Hello and welcome to Science Off Camera. I'm Dr. Matthew Kozedun from Teledyne Photometrics, part of the Teledyne Imaging Group. In this podcast, I will be speaking with imaging specialists and industry leaders in scientific imaging from around the world about what they do, the advances they have made, and the cool imaging setups they have in their labs. Before we get started, if you're interested in learning more about scientific cameras and comparing technologies, we're currently holding live interactive remote learning sessions at our demo centers around the globe. Book a personalized session with one of our application specialists today on our website, photometrics.com. We also have an exciting new product launching soon, the Kinetics SCMOS, which delivers a frame rate and field of view unmatched by any other SCMOS camera. Book an online demonstration to see how it compares to current camera technologies. In this episode of Science Off Camera, I'm talking with Dr. Alex Hargreaves, a postdoctoral R&D scientist in the Physics of Life group at the University of York, about his research, his life in science, and how he is adapting to change in his world. What, what, is, your, what is your path? How did you get to the position you're at at the moment? I finished my PhD at Durham in 2015, 2016. Hmm. Um, my first postdoc was... Uh, so that PhD was in uh, physical chemistry. Okay. It was actually on emulsion science, um, but also interfaced with optics. So that was my first experience of fluorescence microscopy using the kind of cameras that photometrics sell. The natural next step was to take a postdoc. Um, and that postdoc was in the imaging concepts group in Glasgow University. So the project that I worked on there was um, to do with zebrafish but it was so it was my first contact with biology okay really i hadn't even done biology a level the expertise that was to lend to that was actually computational imaging um so things like single pixel cameras ah uh, okay that was quite an unusual project it was quite fun mm. um so after 18 months of finished there and um i was kind of in a bit of a strange position because i was looking for position down uh, looking for a job down in Yorkshire so I moved in with my partner. Um, Glasgow must be one of the only places you can refer to Yorkshire as down. Yeah yeah that's right. <laughs> yeah so I kind of done Durham, Glasgow, Leeds, York. Uh, so I, I took a, a short technic technician job um, for four six months and that turned out to be on a clinical trial um, mm for human reproduction, which is quite an unusual application. Oh, wow. Okay. Yeah. Or, you know, immediately relevant. Yeah. You can see the applications. Impactful. So that was actually a medicine department in the University of Leeds. And so I was kind of parachuted in as this, um, oh my goodness, no one knows uh, what to do on this uh, clinical trial. No one's got any real image, um, quantitative imaging expertise. And so they brought me in to try and quantify the results um, and I ended up doing a lot of work on deep learning to try and process this huge backlog of data um, and that got me a um, contact with the new bias uh, imaging network professional body which is for image analysts specified uh, specifically um, for biological applications. Oh that sounded perfect for you. 
Yeah, so that was really helpful because that was my first experience of um, being able to apply for proper travel grant. Um, yeah. So it was kind of basically a second postdoc, even though it was only on a technician part-time technician salary um, for six months. So I got a lot out of it in terms of my professional development. I managed to go to Sweden, my first travel grant. Uh, for a couple of weeks and managed to uh, talk to computer scientists and develop an image segmentation algorithm. Oh, fantastic. Was that in Lund? Yeah, uh, that was in uh, Uppsala. Oh, nice. Okay. Uh, That was great. Um, And then, of course, the clinical trial got published um, Mm. and that ended pretty swiftly. Trying to present the results of this at various conferences, I managed to squeeze the last bit of money out to um, get a, a travel to a conference, which was the RMS MMC conference in Manchester. Obviously, at this point, I'm kind of like, oh, the money's running out, need to look for another job, preferably within commuting distance of where I live in Wakefield now. Um, so Leeds, Sheffield, maybe Hull, maybe York. Um, so it was geographically limited at that point. I see. That I'd settled with my partner at that point. So um, that was quite a challenge. Um, and it just so happened that while I was presenting the um, results of this mission to Sweden at MMC uh, in 2017 at Manchester, um, there was um, a drunken kind of conference dinner. <laughs> so I was sat on this table set for 10, uh, but only three, four people turned up. Uh, and one of whom was my current supervisor, who had quite, he was fond of his red wine. <laughs> and he was sat opposite uh, this, uh, me on this table of 10. And he um, rather excitedly uh, explained, you know, what he was working on and said, oh, you did a really good talk. You know, do you want to get a job? Do you want to come for a job interview? You know, why not? Just apply. Um, and it turned out he was um, a very well-known, established uh, professor, chair of bio- biophysics at uh, University of York, um, Professor Mark Leek. So I'm very privileged to say that I accepted his in- <laughs> his offer to come for interview um, about a month later. Oh, that's amazing. You, yeah, you, do, now- you do have to wonder how many of these collaborations and new hires happen under the influence of alcohol. Well, yeah, and certainly the excitement, the pure wonder of science, I have to, I have to say. Um, That's what I'm wondering about these new remote conferences, because you can get people together, you can get them, you can get them talking, you can present your work, but then there's no, there's no like after conference at the bar later on. Yes, yeah, there's a certain informality um, that comes along with the video conferencing, but I think there's also because it's kind of a middle level you can't get that familiarity with uh, that comes with you know the non-verbal communication as definitely well. yeah, i mean this is uh, one reason why conferences are in person anyway um, it's because that's recognized so um finally um over the last two and a bit years that i've been working at york um in fact in the first week that i was there and um, I said to Mark, you know, what, what's my next step? 
um, you know, should I be looking to apply for fellowships? Because I don't want to just keep moving around as a postdoc. Um, I need to get more broad working experience um, in lots of different areas of biology. And to show that I'm not geographically constrained uh, necessarily. Um, so I applied for a JSPS um, postdoctoral, uh, short-term postdoctoral fellowship, and I was very, very lucky to get it. Um, apparently, the competition isn't that high because it's maybe not so well known. Oh, I see. What is JSPS? I've not so heard that, of it. So that is uh, the Japan Society for the Promotion of Science. So it's kind uh -huh. of Institute of Physics or the Royal Society. They um, fund. Uh, long-term fellowships for external postdocs and PhD students to go to the UK, uh, to go to Japan. Um, oh, have you spent any time in Japan? And so, yes, last year, three months of last year, I spent in um, Okinawa. Um, That's under, amazing. How was yeah, it? Yeah, that, that was incredible. Um, not just because of the quality of the scientists there, but also because of the uh, peculiar situation that and Okinawa is in within Japan. And um, so you probably know that there are very um, many well-established and highly reputed um, science-focused Japanese universities, state universities. So uh, things like uh, Tokyo University or um, Kyushu University in Fukuoka, those, those kind of places, or um, the more kind of um, facility type um, science research bases like uh, Riken. Mm. Um, uh, they're, they're really world-class um, machines there and the science they do is fantastic. Uh, so my um, host supervisor there, um, Professor Akihiro Kasumi, um, he was um, nominated for and awarded the uh, Avanti Award in Lipids by the Biophysical Society this year. Um, so you may may know of his work in uh, lipids and membranes. Uh, so that was another kind of sideways step into a different uh, niche of biology. So uh, for that, in preparation for that project, I learned how to culture mammalian cells um, with a view to understanding the involvement of membranes, uh, tra the signaling trans uh, transmembrane signal transduction proteins. So things like EGFR. Um, so in, after expertise in biophysics, how did you find biological cell culture? It was fascinating. I really enjoyed it, partly because um, it was something that needed quite a lot of skill, but it was a practical skill. Mm. Um, after doing quite a lot of um, stuff with image analysis, computation, um, and being sat in front of a computer or building the optics, um, I found that I really wanted to do something that kind of less something creative. Yeah, well, I, I don't know if creative is the right word. Hands on. Hands on for sure. Something that um, you could learn as a skill, like driving. Mm. Uh, but then after that, it becomes more kind of motor memory. You can relax while doing it. I think. Whereas uh, programming or uh, you know analysis. Um, writing papers, all these kind of things. It's quite um, cerebral. It really needs 
quite a lot of mental energy to do it. So it was something that was um, low nervous energy skill, if that makes sense. So yeah, I, you can zone out I, a little bit. Exactly. Yeah, that, that's exactly right. So um, that was something that was really nice to be able to do, to say that I could spend an hour in the cell culture lab just, you know, looking after the, the specimens, you know what I mean? Yeah. Um, and that was still feeding into something that was still a, um, a really exciting scientific project. It, it allowed me to mix with a large number of uh, people with quite a different background. Um, and it helped me to understand a lot of what the bulk of bi biological research is about, because most of that is done mainly human cells yeah absolutely and culture so that was a really exciting opportunity i really enjoyed the three months there so what kind of imaging do you do currently in your current position so um the first york grant that i was involved in um was based on a platform to image um dna replication in e coli so a single molecule um, narrow field fluorescence imaging. Um, so this is very, very low light level um, and basically using uh, transformed E. coli tagged at a particular protein of interest um, and tagged at a particular gene or um, genomic integral uh, part of interest and basically seeing how those two move around and co-localize with one another. Um, the technique that we use is the stepwise photobleaching method to see the individual molecules. So hence the low the expression has to be low. Mm. Um, and the 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 kind of imaging is uh, basically done on a a custom fluorescence microscope um, which is stripped down of all of its all but its essential parts which are the laser for the excitation, the telescope and delivery optics, um, and the objective, the, the sample, a bright field source, and uh, basically a tube lens and a camera with some uh, maybe color filtering uh, optics in there. And I'm guessing because it's such a stripped down system, you've, you've customized it to where you want it to be. Yeah, so it's very easy to change things like you can add another laser, uh, another excitation source, prototypes of microfluidics or uh, different cameras like we did. What we want is a machine that um, we can optimize for a particular purpose, but then generalize around that. Yes. <laughs> so would you say there's any piece of equipment you wish you, if you could like, if you could if you could suddenly get any piece of equipment, which one would you want to get so you could add it onto your system and help with your current imaging? The, the, the two most important pieces of equipment are the objective and the camera, for sure. Um, currently, we're in a position where we're happy with those. Um, certainly, using the photometrics 95B is, uh, 95B has made a big difference um, to what we were using before uh, because as you know, the rate of progress of CMOS cameras is quite high at the moment. Um, if there was one other thing that I would really like to borrow from a commercial system, which we don't have in place, is probably an autofocus um, stage system. Oh, okay. 
And because that is something that when you strip it back to a, a manual microscope um, for a high intensity fluorescence technique, you need to be able to uh, align your sample with high accuracy and high certainty. Because once you've exposed it, that's it. It's photo bleach, it's photo damage. So I see. it's quite an iterative process sometimes. If you have um, sometimes something like um, E. coli or a very small cell close to the surface, um, we have to use techniques like uh, total internal reflection to make sure that we're actually seeing the, the right focal plane. It sounds ridiculous, but you, know, you can't see it if you're not focused on it. So, you know, but uh, I've got a lot of um, things like fiduciary markers and so on to, to help with that, that it would be nice to have a non-invasive way of um, ensuring that every single, um, every single acquisition is meaningful. Okay, so you're going, you're going right into the center focal plane of your sample every time? Yeah, yeah. Hmm. Because ours is not a high throughput technique, um, so you don't want to be hunting for the sample every single time. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and and if we had that, it would also allow us to look at more kind of time lapse experiments, more longitudinal experiments, um, which previously we haven't focused on because it's a high intensity, um, highly damaging, um, kind of endpoint experiment in most cases. Um, so typically what we would do is grow uh, bacterial or yeast or mammalian cells, or now I'm working on a project with uh, plant roots uh, in collaboration with the John Innes Center in Norwich um, to look at epigenetics, quite cool. Um, what we would tend to do is grow each of those samples and then, you know, have a, a single endpoint experiment for each one where you, you just find a group of cells, blast it with high intensity laser, get all your um, information out very quickly uh, with high spatial and time resolution, but not a long duration or a large area. So hence you have to do many, many biological and technical replicates of that. Ideally um, it would just zip to each one system. automatically. Absolutely. If we could get some kind of slide scanning for that, that would be just incredible. So everyone's moved on to the audio, the audio visual solution. You know, everyone's moved on to more remote working, working from home that, and that may even become more adopted. It's like how much do oh, people yeah. need to come into the office? Do we need an office and this kind of thing? I think, be very interesting. Well, it's interesting because our group has just, um, our physics department, because my group is split over physics and biology. Mm. So um, the, the physics part of our uh, establishment is um, has just agglomerated into um, a separate building, unto its, uh, uh, in, including all of the biophysics people in and around the previously quite dispersed department, the purpose of which was to build collaborations between those groups. So I think there's still going to be a lot of merit in those accidental, incidental, overheard conversations, went to see someone's talk and, oh, that was interesting. I wonder if I can ask them this question. I wonder if I can help them with that, uh, which you don't get in, you will never get in an audiovisual 
context because every um, or almost all of the interactions are intended. Hmm. Yes. So Scheduled. Don't get any serendipity in that. Yeah. So I think it's still important to have those kind of tea breaks, you know, informal interactions. Um, Do you miss that about uh, your office and your network right now? Oh, yeah, absolutely. I'm sure most people find that kind of um, diamorphous, uh, diaphanous um, sort of intangible stuff is, is actually what leads to some of the best ideas, um, partly because, firstly, you're in a social context, so it's, you know, generally makes people happy um, and it worked better. Um, secondly, because it, it allows you to do that kind of off-topic, um, maybe subconscious thinking, like you, you hear about the most important ideas are the ones you have when you're in the shower. Hmm. You know, because you're not under pressure to focus on a particular task at that time. Yeah, your mind wanders. So you, you're, exactly. You're allowed to engage in some more lateral thinking, maybe. Um, and you know, it's it's always the case that there's uh, you, you're going to have this spectrum of uh, this kind of thought processes from having a, a pen and paper next to your bed. Oh, I've just woken up randomly thought about this. Better write it down. Follow it up later. To the, the mind wandering while you're chatting with someone about something different, who's at least got maybe a similar. Um, set of values or similar set of problems that they want to solve um, but maybe they come from a different background um, or a different discipline to you um, and then that's that's entirely outside of what's actually in someone's job description which i find really interesting you know, you're not being told to do that but it's just made easier by the star of working yeah, it's the blue sky thinking aspect of science that sometimes isn't focused on so much that, you know, we all have all this training, we have access to all this equipment. Maybe we can just do this and this and find out what happens as opposed to, oh, I have this grant where I should do this and I'm going to do this. Yeah, yeah. I mean, certainly um, scientists will always benefit from a linear progression. Yeah. As we know, that will only go so far. You know, projects have to come to an end and you, know, you have to work on something slightly different. And that's, that's I, I think, one reason why short-term, you know, maybe a couple of years funding is what has prevailed because that actually produces the best science. Of course, the, the side effects of that is that when you're in a, a postdoc level or um, you know, a PhD kind of level, you have a level of insecurity as to what you're going to be working on or how long you can work on that for. Um, so uh, in terms of the career pathway, it's, it's forming the bottleneck. I think everyone can see that that's resulted from this kind of two or three year type funding. Um, but that maybe is a necessity in, in re with regards to what we were talking about. Mm. Is that if you just give someone 10 years worth of money, unless they already have 10 years worth of ideas it's not a good it's not going to end productively so yeah so we need the structure forcing people to move around and talk to different 
yeah, to, to different people. Um, so yeah, the, losing that in 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 a, an office space is is going to be quite traumatic for the next three or four months, maybe if not longer. Have you found? You know, have you been going out for your daily government regimented exercise? Yes, yeah, I found that's really helpful. Actually, it's made me um, regiment myself more because as a postdoc, um, you know, you have you tend to have very long deadlines, mm. uh, you know, distant um, formal deadlines. It very much depends on the relationship you have with your supervisor, what their expectations are. And what your expectations are of yourself. I mean, um, my day is not particularly regimented, uh, or certainly wasn't when I was in the office, because you know I had the general office life to to impose that upon me. You know, all the requirements of whichever task I was working on. And um, so I was organised, but not particularly routine. Um, now I've been since I've been at home particularly because we're so sedentary um, that's another thing that you know you really want to make sure that you get done um, within daylight hours is to really set out a schedule so you know get doing that run or that walk or you know or shopping done um, in a timely and efficient way because it's something now that we really look forward to as well. You don't want to miss out. Yeah, you can you can slip into that. Writing. You can get cabin fever all too easily. You need to see the outside world, breathe the air, see it still exists. Yeah, and yeah, maybe it's tempting to you know read everything you can, um, write everything you can right now because it's the best time to do it. But also, you need to make sure you kind of take a break from that. You know, the last thing you want to do is work nine to five, and especially at this time of year, that's that's pretty much all of the daylight you get. So definitely. you need to you need to. Uh, I, I definitely appreciate the flexibility that it's it's given, but it's also an opportunity to really um, pin down a routine because otherwise your work life balance and your mental health is really at risk. Yeah, I couldn't agree more. Going out for a daily walk really helps uh, you organize your thoughts as well. What I do have is two extra hours in the day because I don't have to commute halfway across Yorkshire. Um, and I'm certainly grateful for the the effects it's had on the environment. Um, I live next to the M1, so I, wow. I can, Has that yeah, been I can hear the difference. I can hear and smell the difference and it's really it's really changed like it's actually quite pleasant to go out for a walk thanks again to my guest dr alex hargreaves if you like this podcast please follow photometrics on social media for more episodes and check out photometrics.com for the latest in scientific camera technology for life sciences such as the kinetics scmos camera we also host episodes that focus more on physical science applications, such as near-infrared, X-ray imaging and spectroscopy, partnering with Teledyne Prints and Instruments. Follow them on social media to see when the next episode is released. See you next time and stay safe.